3, Exodus 3.3. 3. Do you know, church, in the last couple of months, the, the presence of God is distinctly changing over us. The, the presence of God is distinctly changing around us and over us, and, and things are beginning to uh, become more and more uh, powerful, is a, better, is, is a good word to use. And we have to respond accurately, and we also have to value the presence of God. You know, when people give words and things like that, people have been, people are open to hear God so that they can bring that word so that it helps you and helps me. So thank God for those who are contributing. Amen. I know you might think, oh, it's him or it's her or it's them. Guess what? I would rather be her, them or him than not bringing anything. I would rather come to the house of the Lord and bring a word, a psalm, a hymn, a song, something that's going to, to lift up, build up, and encourage people's hearts, rather than someone sat there sour-faced, lemon-faced Christianity, bitter as anything. Amen? So, you know, it's great when people contribute into the presence of God. We go to another level, to another level. So we gotta, we've either got to value or devalue the presence of God. In this house, we value the presence of God. So, value or devaluing the presence of God is what I would call... What we're speaking about this morning. If you go to Exodus 33 verse 14. It said the Lord replied. So God spoke. After there was dialogue. And then God says okay now it's my turn. My presence will go with you. And will give you rest. Then Moses said to him. If your presence doesn't go with us. Don't send us up from here. It's almost like didn't you just hear what I just said. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. So don't think it's only me hard of hearing. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What a powerful, powerful question. What is going to distinguish the dream center from other people on the earth? Notice I didn't say other churches. Said other people, what is going to distinct, what distinguishes you from everybody else you work with? What distinguishes you from everyone on your street? There has to be something on us that is distinguished, or is it distinguishable? Is that the right word? Yeah, it is this morning. If I've got the mic, it's my word. <laughs> there has to be something that's different on you than what's on everybody else. If you are a Christian, there must be a unique difference about your life. Hello? There must be. There must be. The Bible says, by your fruits, they shall know. So there must be something different about your life than somebody else's. I didn't say better. I said different. Because we're not in competition. But there must be something different over your life that says to this person, I don't know what it is about this person, but they just seem different. There must be that, what is, what is it, or that's something that you and I must carry. There must be. And this is what, this is what the Bible is encouraging us to be. And, and Moses said, you know, God, I love you, and I love your word, and I know this Pharaoh is a bad guy, and, and he can do all kinds of things, but if you don't go, we're finished. And it's amazing how easy it is to do church without God. 
It's amazing. It's, all, it's almost like we say to God, God, you just stay there. Don't, don't worry yourself. You just sit on the throne and we'll do the rest. We'll take care of business down here. And God's saying, what? In other words, you want, you want to lock me out. You want to keep me out of my own church. And it's amazing how many people will do church without God. They'll give you a service. They'll give you a service. They'll sing songs. But somehow, God's spirit is not allowed to speak in the midst and do what he wants. Last week, God did what he wanted. God did exactly what he wanted last week in our, in our message, in, a, in our service. Why? We opened up the doors and we said, Holy Ghost, you come and do what you want. We're not so fast that we have to do his songs, preach, go home. We're not. Why? Because we want the Holy Ghost to have his way. If it's God's church, he must have the keys. He must have the voice. He must have the agenda. And you say, well, this morning we're going to do something different. Why are we going to do something different? Because he's told us. It's his, it's his church. If I come to your house and you give me soup before my dinner, or you give me, soup, or you give me a salad at the end, because some cultures, they give you salad at the end. You would say, that's strange. We normally have a salad as a starter. It's my house, my rules. If we give you, you start with pudding first, I'd have had a lot more food. You know, I'd rather mum and dad give you carrots and all that stuff you don't like. They'd give me pudding and I'd have a lot more food. But that wasn't the case. Why? Because I was working to somebody else's rules. And it's God's house. And God says, in my house, Tony, I'll test you. I will test you to see if this really is my house. He will test us. And if it really is God's house, church, he will put his finger on us. And if you say, God, I'll serve you, I'll follow you anywhere... It's a very dangerous thing to say, but it's a very good thing to say. Why? Because God has ears. God can hear you from the heavens. And just says, you remember when you said, I don't remember that. Lord says, I don't forget. I'm the Lord. You said it on this day, on this time. He can give you context. He gives you people. You can't get away with God. So Moses said, you know, there has to be something that distinguishes us from the Egyptians. And God says, you know, Moses, you speak in the right kind of language. And you know, that still must be the cry of our hearts today. God, there must be something about my life. There must be something about this church. And when I say church, I'm talking about you as a people, not what we do on a Sunday. You as a people, there must be tangible difference that, that you stand out in a crowd without you even doing anything. Yes. And uh, David, I believe every, every leader and every believer must have this difference. So when you look when you look at someone, have you ever noticed sometimes when they've had their hair cut, someone's had their hair cut, and, and you've, not, you've not fully observed your wife, she's had her hair cut. But you notice something different, you think, if I say something, she'll kill me. So you've got to say, oh, you look really nice tonight, darling. She'll say, yeah, you've done something different with, with and you, she's waiting for it. You say, yeah, and if you get it wrong, she's going to say, you've not noticed, have you? She's gone to all that trouble. To do something and you didn't notice. And then a stranger comes up and says, oh, I like, well, not a stranger, but someone who's not your partner. Comes up and says, oh, I like what you've done with your hair. And you get the daggers then, don't you? Because he noticed or she noticed and you didn't. You know that, guys? Hey, can I hear the brother in the room? <laughs> and it's amazing just how God is looking in the church for a difference. God is looking for a church with a difference. That's why we say, welcome to a church with a difference. We're not better, just different. Why are we different? Because we believe this thing. Hook, line and sinker. And we give him his way. That's the best way. 
And God says, I can use a church like this. So David and every believer must understand this issue. You must have this as a core distinction in your life. It must become a core distinction in your life. Lord, I want to be different. I want to stand out. I don't want to blend in. I want to stand out. God didn't make you as good looking as you are to blend in. God made you that way to stand out and to stand up. Okay? So we're not beige. Beige is, the, is an awful color. You know, Christians are not created to be beige. They're created to stand out. That's why I like a lot of the Africans, the way they dress. You've got color galore. Color my world, you want to see them. They've got, you know, some of these, these uh, dresses they wear. Beautiful colors. Beautiful colors. And then you see, you see a Westerner. He's got dark. You know, pink was always a man's color. Until your women got hold of it. <laughs> but it's always a man's color. It's true. It's true. Now we say, what's wrong with you? Is there something wrong with you? Have a man wears pink? No, he's not pink. He just wants to be colorful. He wants to stand out. Nothing wrong with standing out. Phil says, I'm like a magpie. I'm attracted to bright colors. I am. I like colors. I want to stand out. If you go to 1 Chronicles 13. David understood this difference of standing out and being different. David understood that the presence of God is what makes you different on the earth. So much so that he was willing to risk his life for it. Church, if nothing else, fight for his presence. Guard his presence. Be a lover of his presence. In 1 Chronicles 3, uh, David's going back for the ark. He wants the ark because wherever the ark was, the presence of God was, the peace of God, the victories of God. Are you hearing me, church? Whatever the ark is in your life, whatever the presence of God is, peace, victory, you know, God's on your side. David conferred with each of his officers and the commanders of the thousand, commanders of the hundreds. He said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and if it is the will of God, our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of our brothers throughout the territories of Israel and also to the priests and the Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us. Yeah? For we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. The assembly agreed to do this. The whole assembly agreed to do this. It seemed right to all the people. Do you imagine how hard it is to get all the people to see one thing? And yet, these people were captured by the presence. They realized the value of having the presence of God on their side. Yes? So David assembled all the Israelites from Shear to River to Egypt to the, to the Lebo Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kir of Jerem. So, it's like me saying to you this morning, if, this, if I was in this context, it's like this, this morning, Pastor Tony stands up before you and says, Hey, church, there's one thing missing in this church. We've got music, we've got people, we've got heating, we've got safety, we've got security, but we don't have the presence of God. And you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we, shall we inquire of God how to get it? And you all say, yes, let's do that. So it's every man and woman and, and stand there and they go, yes, it seems good to us. It seems good to God. It seems good to the Holy Ghost. Let's pursue the Father for his presence. So all the church stands up. And they do whatever it needs to be done to go and get the presence in the church. Now that's called the body of believers. But so many people today are not aware the presence is not even in the church. And why? Because they've never been exposed to it. They've been exposed to a church life, but they've never had the God life. 
Many people are looking for a good atmosphere. Listen, when you don't have the presence of God, you better have something. So people will put music, people will put acts, they'll put performers on. And they'll put big choirs and they'll put all these kind of things. Why? Because it's all a masquerade because the presence is not there. So at least we had a good time in church this morning. Oh, we clapped, we sang, we danced. But was he there? You know, we have not seen the full manifestation of God. Let's not kid ourselves. We are dancing around, trying to get in there. At least we're trying. At least we're trying, church. And God will honor that. And, you know, one day he just might say, Tony, move to the left and you go straight in. That's why you must respond in worship. But, you know, these people were all conscious of the fact that the presence of God was not in Israel. But most of the church today is not even conscious. and They're not even trying to bring the presence in. They're singing songs, but they don't know how to worship. And it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And when you talk to many pastors, they just look at you like you're looking at me. Most of them don't have a clue what they're talking about. They say, well, our church is good. We've got a thousand people in our church. What's a thousand people got to do with it? Since when has the presence of God meant anything about people? God's not interested in how many people you've got. The the only thing he's interested in, can I turn up? Can I come home with you? Can I live with you? Well, I've got 2,000. I've got 10,000. You didn't do, so what we're saying is they built the church, not God. Now, man and God work together. We know that. So, David's realized that there there is a reign called Saul's reign. Saul's leadership, uh, in Saul's shift, Saul did not inquire of God how to bring the presence in. So, all his life, he worked in the natural He doesn't understand that you need the presence of God in the midst. So can you imagine? We see two leaderships here. We see a Saul and we see a David. The first thing David realizes is something's missing. Not something, someone. So God was in a box. That's how they moved him from place to place. Then later on, David builds him a temple. He said, God, I want you to dwell. I don't want to carry you around everywhere. I want you to dwell. That's why the presence must dwell. That's why we dwell in the presence. God God is everywhere, but you move from place to place. So that's why you must take him. You must carry him. You are now the vessel. You're not in a box. God's in you. Amen? So they realized, but all the way through Saul's leadership, he never once inquired. You know, I never wanted to be said about my pastorate. Not my pastor, my pastorate. My time that I never saw... The presence of God. I don't want church natural. I want church unusual. Church unusual because he's here. People come in and go, well, it's different in here. Yes. Why? It's unusual. Yes, it's unusual. Why? Because you don't get it in many places. There are places, believe me, there are places. But they're just not on every corner. So, Saul is a modern day paradox of leadership. There are many souls out there who are not inquiring of God. And yet you would find that so strange. Because you would think that every minister would want the presence of God. But you're not, they're not. Why? Because the moment you give God the keys, you're no longer the boss. And that's the bottom line. That's what it comes down to. You're not free to make your decisions. God is the, God is the, is the, the king. Amen? So we, we need to realize that we need to come to an understanding church. 
that church usual is not our portion. Church unusual is our portion. That's what makes, that's the church we see. That's what makes us a church with a difference. We're going after the unusual. We're going after his presence. You see, most people will look at the church and they'll see 80, 90 people and they'll say, ah, nothing going on in there. Not, they've only got 90 people. Oh, you better believe it. There's a lot going on in here. There's a lot going on in here. People will just, will look because the numbers ain't what other people expect. See, we're not the picture of success. We're not. But we're everything he's looking for. Amen. So David was an outstanding leader because the first thing he saw and recognized, he valued the presence of God for the nation. Now, wouldn't you like David Cameron? Wouldn't you like David Cameron to say, excuse me, to every faith out there, we're having a day, a week of prayer and fasting. God's not in our nation. We'd like him back. We're going to, we're going to, you know, can you imagine the flack he would get? Now, Britain would be a nation. It would be an unusual nation. But wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be wonderful to see one of our leaders stand up and say, we're missing the presence of God. Parliament needs God. We, we, we need another member in our cabinet. Not in the box, not literally in a cabinet, but sat at the table. We want God, we'd just like you to speak and breathe into the life of our nation. How can Britain become once, it'd be great once again? Can you imagine, if, if, I tell you, we'd be the envy of the nations. But... We can't do that because it's politically correct. We've got a sole leadership. We don't need it. You don't need that rubbish. You can survive. England can be prosperous without God. Oh, really? Really? It's amazing when she, when she prospered, there was a fear of God in the nation. Through our, through our history. So you might not agree with this sentiment. You might not agree with what I'm saying. But I agree with what David said. I'm agreeing with what David said. So David and all the people were like-minded. So first of all, they had a core conviction. Second, they were like-minded. Yes? They had a unified spirit. A unified spirit. Everyone understood that this was the agenda. This was what we needed to do. We need to go and pursue the presence of God. So they all spoke with one another. They got agreement. How hard it is to get agreement. That's why the Bible says when two or three... Never mind the whole company. When two or three agree. Just two and three. Just to get two people to agree is a hard thing. But yet all these people all agreed. God was already moving before they knew it. So in the book of Romans chapter 15. It says this. That everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So when we. Read of David, how we pursued God, we realized that it was for our benefit. And the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you personally, and me personally, a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. So that with one heart and one mouth, you may glorify God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of having one Father and having one spirit. That we may glorify our Father. Amen? Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. You see, when God gives the church one spirit and one mind, it brings glory to God and praise to God. Just like when you get your children, and they're being a pain, and they're annoying you, and you say, guys, 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 can you just not get on together? And when two kids get on together, it does it not bring joy to your heart? Does it not bring peace to the environment? 
Right, that's how it is with God. When he sees his kids getting on and working together, working towards a common purpose, a common goal, it pleases the heart of God because he sees his kids not fighting. He thinks, oh, people don't fight in church. Really? What church have you been going to? People fight everywhere. Whatever you've got, whatever you've got humans, it's a, it's, a, it's a core instinct of humans to fight. That's why we've had so many wars. We're good at it. It was our hobby as a nation. Acts chapter 2. You've read this, no doubt. Verse 44 of Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Which is a proof they were in one spirit and one mind. They they sold their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now that's church growth. You want church growth, do what the Lord says. Yes? What, they were all together. Everything was, in, was common. It wasn't familiar, it was common. Yeah? They sold their possessions and goods. Wow. And they gave to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So they came for corporate worship. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad, sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's why God is adding to our number. Because we pursue him. You know, you won't last in this church long if you don't want, if you don't want to worship God. You won't last long. If you don't like worship, then this church isn't for you. If you struggle fighting against what we, what, you know, how we worship, you won't last long in this church. Why? Because we have decided that we are going to be lovers of his presence. Now, the way we do it might change. That might wind you up. It winds me up sometimes. Truthful, it does. It winds me up. And that's why we're trying to keep fresh all the time. But the point is, we're still going to worship him. We're still going to worship him. You know, look at the fruits that is being produced in in your life since you've started to worship God more intently. Think of how, when we have our Sunday nights and we have our breakthrough nights, just how powerful those atmospheres have been. Wow. Wow. Those last three break, uh, breakthrough nights we've had, they've just been off the wall. They've just been Holy Ghost blowouts. Haven't they? Wow. I mean, even some of you dared to prophesy last time. So bring, bring that prophetic word, James. Holy Ghost. Come on, man. Mom, what is she? Yeah, she's hiding. 1 Chronicles 13. So the presence of God was not in its rightful place. Because though it was blessed in the house of Eden, the assignment was for it to be brought to Jerusalem. So in other words, let's, let's look at this. It, it's like if someone, let's just say, someone's church is saying, let's go to Australia. Australia. Phil and I went to Australia to, to look at Peter's, Peter Nichols' church because we knew they'd entered into a move of God that we felt we were on the brink of. So we went there. Okay, we checked it out, as they say. But you know, how many of you know, it's not good enough for it just to be in Australia. Save the airfare. We need it in Manchester. Never mind Melbourne, we want it in Manchester. So we said, Lord, this is our hearts, this is what we want. 
We don't want to copy it. We want, we want to be carriers of your presence. So it was in another person's house. Okay? Now, the thing is with God, the paddle only will only work so far. It's because when you take it from Australia, it doesn't, le- it doesn't leave Australia. You take a portion. Do you understand what I mean? It didn't leave Australia. That's, it's still going on in Australia. Right? Strong as it is. Now, we are able to take in the spirit a portion. Our portion. God gives it as a down payment. He says, work in that. Let's see how, how you work on it. Let's see how, how much responsibility you give it. Let's see how much water you'll give it and feed it. And then we'll see if you can be trusted with the move. That's where we're at right now. We brought our portion back. We, sh- we told you. You liked it. You loved it. You wanted it. Now we're in, the place, we're in the place of guarding it. Now we're in the place of pushing in that and moving in that. So more of heaven is open over us. True? That's why that environment on that Sunday night is so, so powerful. Because it's inhibited. People just are willing. They know the rules now. They just know how to move in that environment. I give you a chair and all of a sudden you become like wooden Indians. A chair seems to become a blockage. No, I know we need chairs. We need to, you know, you need to rest that uh, derriere of yours. And you need to, you know, rest. But the times in the building of the spirit, when the, when the atmosphere is open and the chairs are gone, you just go. And it's amazing how far you can go in that environment. And yet on a Sunday morning, sometimes we feel inhibited. It's all about the people have not changed. But just the environment changed. The God didn't change. His spirit didn't change. The heavens are still the same. But the difference is you're able to go further in that environment. True? So the, the, the presence of God was in another man's house. Why? Because they lost it. So this is what happens. When God gives you a portion and you don't use it and you lose it, he stays. Someone else will pick it up. Someone else will pick up your portion. And you think, well, how can that be? Well, because if, if you don't want it, someone else will use it. There are other hungry believers. There are other people who are, who are pressing in for the things of God. And if you don't want it, God will move somewhere else. Of course he will. Don't think, well, you know, he loves me, he don't leave me. Why not? People leave, it. People leave it, uh, people every day. God hasn't left you, abandoned you. He just says, you're not ready. Hello? Only in church we expect someone to stay with us forever and ever when we don't listen to him. Duh, stupid. So here, David's seen it's in the house of Obedian. Now notice, wherever the ark rests, someone gets blessed. Wherever the presence of God rests, that's why you young people, if you can learn to capture God's presence wherever you go, you'll be the most favoured kid. There's something about the presence when it's on a life, it changes your environment. And everyone sees that you're different. You're not better, you're just different. God's glory. They'll say, look at his eyes. Look at his eyes. What is it about you? Just got the presence of God on me. You can sit on a plane and someone says, what's on you? What, what is it about you? It's different. Don't be sat there thinking, we don't know, is it, is it me aftershave? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Well, you know, uh, do you like my shirt? No, 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 no. They're sensing something. You better say, hey, that's the Holy Spirit. Because, because I know God and God is real and he's in my life. Then you're able to tell him and share what's in your life, what's on your life. Why? This thing's real. I've sat in places when that's happened. I've sat in places when people say, wow, what's different about you? And at first of all, I was ignorant. I used to go, I'm not smelling, am I? No, I'm smelling. But I'm smelling the fragrance. 
It's nothing that any aftershave or any fragrance could give you on the earth. It's, a, it's something that only God marks his, marks his man with and his woman with. So here we read in verse 13 of one Chronicle, sorry, verse 7 of 1 Chronicles 13. And the move, they moved the ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and I all guiding it. David and all the Israelites were celebrating all the night before God. So they were just having a Holy Ghost blowout. With songs and with harps, lyres, lyres, tambourines, cymbals, trumpets, you know, uh, guitars and all that kind of stuff was going on. When they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. Seems a natural thing to do. The Lord's anger burned against him and struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. Seems unfair. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, this place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of God. I bet he was. That day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and it remained there for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. Only for three months. Can you imagine if God says, I'm just going to, Dwell in your house for three months. Three months, your life would be turned upside down. You'd be the most favoured man on your street. Three months, and he was blessed. God had affected everything in his house. And he was just a garage. He was just a garage. He has to go somewhere, we'll put it in his house. True? Do you know, we never ever want God to be in our house because no one else didn't want him. We want what's ours. Do you know that? The ark was never destined for his house. It wasn't supposed to be there. But it was there on temporary standby while they got their acts together. Do you know, have you noticed, there's a lot of moves around the world. Whether it be a Toronto. This is where people from all around the world have gone to Canada because there's a move of the Holy Spirit there. Then they went from there to a place called Pensacola. Pensacola saw literally thousands and thousands and thousands of visitors come to that church because one Father's Day, the Holy Spirit broke out. The church was never the same. Then from there, they went to a place called Lakeland, Florida. That took place. Now, that was a house where it only stayed for a very short space of time. There was a, until an Uzzah touched the ark. And then the Spirit left them. And then it went to a place called... Um, Lakewood, not Lakewood, sorry, uh, oh, I forgot this name now, where the Bay of the Holy Spirit is now, forget what it is, anyway, it's a place in America, and you're thinking, you can see how God has had to, he's dropped, he's parked, they couldn't handle it, he's had to move, drop and park, they couldn't handle it, he's had to move, now all these places were blessed, but was they ever the designation, it's a different question, I can't answer that question, all I can see is that it keeps moving, And why does it keep moving? Because men don't know how to build with it. Someone keeps touching the ark what they shouldn't be touching. See, when the presence of God comes and the move of God comes, man wants to control it. Man wants to control it. But you see, there are churches, other churches, like Redding, California, who's had the move of God now for 10 years. And in a town of 100,000, 60,000 people have been impacted. 60,000. 
So much so that even the mayor of that town said, if this church wouldn't have been in our, in our city or our town, the town would have been gone. And he gave credit to the church. Why? Because the presence of God is so strong. Drug addicts are getting saved on the street when no one's talking to them. They're just falling under the power. The conviction, the presence of God has literally fallen on Redding, California. And that's where a lot of our, some of our worship is coming from now, out of that church. Because they've known how to tap into the presence. And that worship carries a sense of the fragrance of what we're trying to do. So our heart connects with their hearts. So when we sing, we get the same joy and the same experiences that they're, they're getting. Amen? But the ark will stay somewhere until someone can pick it up and use it in its right context. Do you understand that, church? That's why we have to be corporately together on this. Corporately together. Because it will just transform. It's not about you. It's about what it can do for Drawsden and Tameside. That tree, speaking tenderly to the tree, is a symbolic picture of the youth in Tameside. How the government and the councils are throwing money at trying to redeem a whole generation. The same generation that they curse. This generation's reckless, you never do any good. The libertine generation, they're useless, they write them off. But in, a, in the prayer, God says, no, this is the generation I want. So he says, he gave us a picture of a tree. And he said, where the, the council have, have battered this tree and battered it and battered it and cursed the tree. God says, I want you to readdress it and speak tenderly to it. So when the move of God is upon our lives, a whole environment is changed. It's not about two and three, we get, we get two services or three services. Whoa, we're growing. That's not about that. It's about, can God change a community? If God can change it, how does he change it? By people pursuing him. Now, we must take responsibility for, what, for those who don't know what we know. So we must be the first generation, the vanguard. We must learn how to tap into the presence of God. Because people have heard religion. They've said, give me that old time religion. There ain't no religion going on in here. People want the person and the presence of God. When they walk in, they want to go, wow, what is it? That's before any one of us have even stood up. Before we even start singing. They recognize someone is here. God has come out. The whole point of being a pastor The whole point of me being a pastor is that I must be able to connect you with the heavens. And the heavens to the earth. Once I can do that, my job's done. Keep the the doorway open. So heaven can flow into the church. Church can flow into heaven. You carry heaven with you. You're not dying to get there. You're on the earth and heaven's flowing into you. Yes? We can change the community. We can. And it's not all done by social works. It's not done by social works. Wherever those things spring up and we can do them, we'll do them. But our greatest commodity is who we carry and who we know. And what we carry and what we know should, uh, should then spur us on to do some good things. Yes? We're not proud about what we know. We're just excited about the one we know. Amen? So, we want to make sure that This ark stays in this house. We don't want it to be a garage. We don't want uh, we don't want the move of God to come on us, and then we don't want to do you know Uzza, Uzza, whatever how you pronounce his name. We don't want to touch why because he came familiar. No, no, no. 
We want to be a priest kings, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to our God. When the move comes, we're not taken by surprise. We didn't wake up one morning and it was there. Why? Because we pursued him. Yes, we're not taken by surprise. Amen. So God is becoming to rest upon his church. God wants to abide in his church. Amen. Now you see the worship. David, all those guys were singing and they were praising and they were using worship because they were so thankful. Amen. They were using worship as a tool. Church, we were worshiping this morning. We're using it as a tool to touch and bless our father, to bless his heart because he loves it when his people are worshiping. So then what happens is, as we begin to worship, those who are connecting, God begins to speak from the heavens. People receive a word. They then distribute that back onto the earth. So you can know that others are touching something before you. It's okay. Because we're all in it together. It's not a race on my own. If I can touch heaven or David can touch heaven here, and he can say, hey, if he can be the voice of heaven for us in that morning, that's good. Because he's, doing, he's becoming the voice of heaven so that we can all get there together. Not that he went, well, I had a good time this morning. God was with me this morning. You know, blow you lot. I touched God. He told me he didn't love you lot. That's not, that's not the heart of God. That could be his heart or my heart, but that's not the heart of God. If you can touch the presence of God, come and tell us. Show us what the Father's doing. Tell us what the Father's saying. So that we can all come in. Amen? That's why the voice of God must be allowed to speak. The worship was strong. But you know, familiarity broke out in the midst of worship. Let me put a marker right on, on, on your, your thing right there. Famili- oh, we've sang this song before. Oh, I know what, when they sing this song, they're going to get a wee bit excited. Straight away, familiarity. Well, I know what's coming next. I know how they're going to play it. I know they're going to sing it. She's going to wobble. He's going to wobble. They're going to lose the voice. They sound like goose in a fog. Rather than a nightingale, it sounds like a gale in the night. Hey, don't become like that. You know, if we could individually switch everybody else off so we could hear your voice. Imagine how. It'd be nightmare on Elm Street, wouldn't it? Exactly. Okay. You know, and everyone in their own. That's why when we all sing together, we're not listening to each other. You know, can you imagine? And so, that's why some play it safe and just. Open your mouth, let words come out. That's not worship, my friend. That's called mumbling. But when a true worshiper, you know, just lifts the hands and starts singing, you might look at a person that's saying, oh, man, don't they sound awful? They're thinking, you know, you sound awful. That's why they're singing louder because they don't want to hear you. <laughs> so when the person at the side of you is screaming, it's because maybe you don't sound that great. <laughs> but who cares? Just worship. These guys were worshipping, but familiarity broke out in the midst of worship and that caused them to touch something they should never have touched. Yes? Why did the ox have to stumble? It said they brought the ark back and as they brought the ark back, the oxen stumbled. You know, you know why it stumbled? Well, let me give you one reason why it stumbled. Because no one was watching where they were going. They were so busy taking up what's going on, nobody... Watch where they're going. Somebody's still got to lead. Hello? You may be having a wonderful time in his presence, but someone here still got to lead. And sometimes, I've said this a few times to Claire, 
sometimes I'm not, ex- I'm not tapping into the same thing you're tapping into. And I don't mean that facetiously. Sometimes I'm thinking, these are all going crazy out there. How come I'm not touching it? How come I'm getting shortchanged? God says, you're my conduit. You connect to me, speak to them, let it go. You know, if I got bitter about that, I could say, well, I'm not doing it then. Why would you always leave me out? God says, you know what? There's another tank queuing up. Okay, I'll stay. You know, you're my servant, right? Okay. You say you're open, you've got an open heart. Yes, Lord, I have. You've got an open door. Can I use it? Yes. Shut up then. Revelation check number one. Me, God, you not. Okay. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. But Lord, why is it all them are touching you and I can't? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And a doorkeeper is not someone who opens a door. It's someone who's an entrance point for God to move through. This morning, people were queuing up. There were entrance points. What did you bring this morning? They were entrance points. God could use them. Next week, it could be other people. Doesn't make the entrance points better. It just made them open that, this particular morning. Amen? So, the Bible says in John 4, 24. So, it's 22. It's 24. You Samaritans. Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. You Samaritans worship what you don't know, but we worship what we do know. That sounds arrogant. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers their fathers seek. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. He didn't say, and they must worship him with good songs. The recommendation, the requirements, I should say, of a worshipper is those who can worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit means that the Christ that is in you must be allowed out the box. Okay? That's spirit. You have got spirit inside you. So that must be allowed to communicate spirit to spirit, deep to deep. Okay? The truth is that you are willing to walk in the truth. So whatever God reveals to you in in the midst of that worship, you will step in and embrace. So when you hear the word come forth this morning like you did during the worship, you say, yes, Lord, I hear it. That's my life. Okay, Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to touch my life. Yes, Lord, I acknowledge that to you. That's truth. You're acknowledging what has been said is truth. So rather than just say, oh, it's just him. They're They're on one again. No, no, no. You acknowledge the truth. Lord, that could be me. Lord, search me. If it's not me, carry on. If, you, if, you, if that word didn't apply to your life this morning, no drama, carry on. But if it does, you say, Lord, I hear it. You're speaking to me. I receive it. Help me, oh God. Come into the area of my life. That's truth. Because your spirit is open and you accepted the truth. When you don't worship in spirit and you just use clap hands, clap hands, oh happy day. Truth, that's not truth. And that's not spirit. Hello? This is why we cannot have soul-driven worship. We can't have have music that just stirs your soul. It's got to awaken your spirit. So many cultures don't understand this. They use music to move the soul. Hello? Hear me good? Soulish, that's where you get a lot of, you know... That's the soul. Music will keep you... You know, music has this innate uh, nature. You can be sat down doing nothing. As soon as you hear music, you you just start beating with it. Yeah? That's called soul. There's nothing spiritual about that. 
It's programmed inside you to do that. You come in church, you play certain chords, certain notes, certain types of music, and straight away it's... You start moving, but nothing's changed. All you're doing is your backside's moving, and your hips are moving, yeah? And then some, you might give it all that. Hey, that's not spiritual. That's called body mechanics. And nothing spiritual about that. And you might be... And you think, oh, the worship. No, that's not worship, my friend. That's called praise. Worship is when you, oh, you start opening up your heart. Now you're soaring. Now you're saying, oh, God. Now you See, that is a symbol of your heart being exposed. Spirit and truth. Soul and body are two different things. Yeah? We can all move. We can all boogie. We all love to boogie. But you know, it's amazing. You go to a do, you go to a 21st or a wedding, and you see people, dads make a, a scene of themselves on the floor, you know, after a few scoops. And then they come into church on a Sunday morning, can't move, can't, haven't got no faith to raise a gnat. But on the dance floor, well, I love to boogie. I love to boogie. Got it all going on. Sunday morning, it's like, you know, I'm dry. I'm like a piece of bread that's been in the sun for two weeks. Just dry. But you put him on the dance floor. I love to boogie. I love to boogie. Shame on him. Shame on him. Guess the presence of God is not coming to your house then. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. But we Jews, he said, worship what we do know. So it's possible to worship and don't know what you're worshipping or who you're worshipping. It's possible to sing and never connect. Hello? For centuries they've been doing this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? God says to you, can you imagine one day you're in his presence and God says to you, what, what, you know, I've been asking the, the father says to the, the father says to you, he says, you know, me and the Holy Spirit were talking. And he said, yes, like, what was you talking about? We're asking, when will you come and worship us? Well, I came last Sunday. Yeah, we were asking, when are you going to come and worship us? When are you going to worship True worship, enter into the spirit of worship. Well, we came on Sunday, Lord, and, and, and we, we sang a few. We sang We Love to Boogie. The Lord says, yeah, but when are you going to come and worship? And that would offend you if you thought God would ask you that question. Because, Lord, you saw me last week. I was boogieing. The Lord says, no, but you didn't worship. You were worshiping the music. You were enjoying the music, but you didn't connect with me. Yes. David understood. We need his presence. We need his presence. See, the, 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 the Levites, if you go back to 1 Chronicles 15, 11, and we're coming to a, a close. David understood that it's got to be done the right way. You can't just do it any way you want. We can't have, I love to boogie crowd. Yeah, we can't have over a thousand tongues crowd. We've got to have a different type of crowd that understand the presence of God. Now, as new people come in, they don't know. That's fine. That's perfectly okay. But those who do know must understand some things. And those who don't know will learn. It's simple. It's not a problem. So 1 Chronicles fifteen eleven says, Then David summoned Zadok and Abithar the priests, and Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, Aminadab, the Levites. All this crowd was chosen. Why? He said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. So the destination. There is an assignment. There's a place where the presence of God must rest. Listen to what he says. It's because you 
The Levites did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not listen. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So at one point, it sounds like he's blaming the Levites. So it's that easy. Let me give you an example of how this works. I say to David, did you enjoy this morning? No, I thought it was rubbish. So what was rubbish? Well, the musicians were rubbish. So he's blaming the Levites. Blaming the Levites. It's your fault I never entered to the presence this morning because you didn't start that song. In fact, when we started the first song this morning, it was terrible. I don't know if you noticed, but I did. But did you see my face change? No. Why? Because I'm the one on the guitar. I know if I stop, all the rest are waiting for me to keep on moving. So I just smile and just say, hey, all in glory, there's another chord somewhere, we'll find it. We'll go around, we'll find it. You know, I've got more, I've got more strum and you've got strings. Don't worry about that. Even if, listen, even if there's two strings, I'm still going to play like I've got six. Thank God. Where's Paul when you need him? <laughs> Where's Paul when you need him? But David could easily blame the music. Or someone says, well, you know, I didn't touch God because it was warm in here. And it is warm in here. You can never please, you never get it to get it too warm or too cold. Or, you know, the woman at the side of me, she was going like a bat out of hell. There's always another Levite it's an, it's someone, someone else's problem why you didn't connect. And that's what David was saying. You know, we tried it in a conventional way. Now there are people who are called and gifted to lead worship. I'm not saying I'm one of them. But there are people who can hold a note and can bring you into the presence of God. So David's saying, we need you guys. You've got the skill. You've got the calling. You've got that on your life. That's what God called you to do. We need you. That's what he's saying. Now, everyone thinks they can sing, don't they? This isn't karaoke. We're not going to give the microphone to anyone because we're going to get, I love to boogie. I love to boogie. We're not having love to boogie. So God gives us Levites, but you're the Levite in another area. But never moan why the service didn't reach the crescendo and blame a Levite because you're the Levite. And if someone didn't pick it up, like this morning, Nick and uh, who else was it who gave a word? Claire, sorry, this morning. What they did is, as the ark was stumbling a wee bit, not that it was stumbling, but they want to come and lend their strength as a Levite and think, I've got something to contribute. So I want to keep the atmosphere over the place open and and, and, uh, fertile. So they brought their word to support what was going on. They didn't sit back and say, we didn't hit it because he was hopeless this morning. Three wheels on my wagon. No, no, no. They brought their strength. So the presence would not affect you. But it would bless you. So David realises, guys, we need you. So he finds, he finds of the, he inquires of the Lord, Lord, how can this ark be brought into the dream centre? So he says, we're going to need some Levites. People whose job and role it was to carry the ark and bring the, the sacrificial offerings. Right? So he inquires of them. Once they get online, the rest is history. They dance, they carry on, they bring the ark back into Jerusalem and the presence of God is in Jerusalem and Israel enters into peace. David's leadership is secure, the people are happy and the land gets prosperous. Isn't that what we want? But the presence has to be in here, but it's not. it just doesn't turn up, it's carried. 
It's brought in. Why? By people seeking. David had to seek the Lord. How do we bring it in? And it wasn't by, you know, conventional means. Now, last scripture. Well, then we're out of here. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, and whenever you read it, therefore, you need to understand why it's there for. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why? This is your spiritual act of worship. It's yours. It's my responsibility. Therefore, I urge you, David, Philip, David, Don, Veronica, whoever it is, in view of God's mercy, to offer. That means to freely give your bodies. That's who you are. And all that's in there. Offer it as what? A sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that costs you. Something that costs Well, I don't feel like singing this morning. My team got beat in the week. I don't feel like... Gay, get your flipping hands up. Start worshipping. It's not about what you feel. It says this. Something that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Notice it didn't say act of worship. It says spiritual act of worship. My friends, each one of us is called to offer and bring the ark in. Offer your sacrifice, should say, and bring the ark back. The dream center needs it. Why? We don't want a church to have it, and then, then we can open up like a museum. No, no. We need it in here. Why? As a symbol for Tameside, for Manchester. We want our streets to change. And, and a company of people must rise up with a distinguished mark upon them that sets us apart, right? So that people see the light in you, see the truth in you. See the difference that you make. You know, sometimes you don't even have to open your mouth to make a difference. You just have to be you. Do you know that? Just have to be you. Are you 